You're listening to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. Sex and relationship advice you can use tonight. Welcome to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. I'm your co-host, Brandon Ware, here with my lovely other half, Dr. Jess. Hey, hey, how's it going today? I'm good. How are you? I'm all right. I'm having a I'm having a day. <laughs> I had I had such a great night last night because I saw a baby owl. I mean, a tiny little baby owl, shorter than your fist, bigger than my fist, but shorter than your fist. And this is, uh, you know, maybe this comes, you know, I'm a city slicker. I get it. We live downtown. Yeah, I was just gonna say we should give some context here. We don't live anywhere where you normally see owls, and definitely not baby owls. But a baby owl, they're so cute. So I had this great night last night, but then I also um, uh, made the mistake of looking at Facebook late at night. And of course, you know, we tell people to digitally detox every night at the end of the night, which I didn't do. And uh, a news article came up about a friend who had who passed away two years ago. Right now this week. And he's been on my mind. It's weird. Like I didn't really think about the date and, and I don't think I even commemorated the date in any way consciously, but subconsciously he's been on my mind. And I, I brought him up to you a few days ago. And then this article came up that um, his death uh, is suspicious. And they posted pictures of people in the news that they were looking for in in his death and in a, an associated robbery with his death. And uh, I couldn't get the pictures out of my head of these people. So I stayed up all night, <laughs> um, really couldn't fall asleep. I, I probably did sleep for a couple of hours. So all that being said, I'm feeling uh, tired and I feel anxious today. And my anxiety has been higher. I wouldn't say I'm a particular, like I wouldn't say I'm a particularly anxious person. But since um, this big shift in in life and in the news and in what's going on in the world, I felt a lot more anxious. And as I feel more anxious, I notice I also feel more frustrated, like so frustrated so easily, little tiny things that I would never, ever be set off by are just pushing my buttons. And I feel like the anxiety and frustration being connected and also, you know, the stuff that's going on in the world, um, you know, obviously there's COVID and then all the racist stuff and the awful news um, that, that we're seeing and the just racial injustice being brought to the forefront obviously weighs heavily on me. It's, you know, this topic that I've been privately talking about with friends for so many years. And that's been on my mind, too. I've been thinking about how this is like a dear diary. <laughs> <laughs> I've been thinking about how over the years I've had all these different discussions and debates and I'd say arguments with friends, with white friends about racial justice, with about white fragility, about uh, white privilege, about racism and you know we've always argued and then six months ago the mainstream media started talking about these concepts in a new way like they've always been covered in media that I consume and they've always been spoken about in circles of people of color and I, I think about okay this is kind of long let me get to this I, I think about the fact that I had these arguments with my friends and now they're smart people right uh, people maybe I don't see a ton of like not I'm not talking about my best best friends but um, some of my white friends and now they understand these concepts because obviously you know 
writers and bloggers and podcasters have done a better job expressing themselves and explaining these concepts than I might have at the bar while we're having a drink or over over dinner when I'm, uh, you know, having a, <laughs> a glass of wine. And so now I see some of them kind of coming back to me and wanting to reopen these discussions. And I do want to have these discussions. And I feel like as a as a mixed race person, as somebody who is sometimes read as more white, I should have these discussions with white people. But I also like I'm finding it really exhausting. So you asked me how I <laughs> Wow. Yeah. I'm feeling anxious. I'm feeling tired. Um, and I'm feeling like a little bit frustrated. I'm also feeling kind of happy, <laughs> which is weird too, right? Like I, I'm excited because we're we're gonna go for a hike today, and a friend gave us a, a reservation at this uh, winery called Promore Set, where you can pretty much never get in, and the food is fabulous. And so, yeah, it's all this conflict of finding joy um, and really loving life, but also feeling anxious. And I'm not, you know, I have to do more work. I'm realizing all the things I suggest other people do to assuage their anxiety because I've always been a fairly low anxiety person maybe that's not the right way to put it because my anxiety has always been fairly low um, I haven't had to maybe engage with as many of the strategies like the deep breathing and the body scans and the you know sitting in moments of gratitude which is what I ended up doing last night to finally get to sleep um, and get those images out of my mind so I know that was a lot how are you feeling for real though well I mean after listening to you I think it's (laughs) It's clear that, well, I mean, I also think that some of these items hit very close to home. I mean, the friend who passed away, um, he wasn't an older gentleman. He was he was your age. He was a professional athlete. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that that really, you know, brought brought back to the forefront, not to mention everything that's happening in the world with uh, coronavirus, as you said, and, and all the racism and, and all the, you know, the protests and... And the exhaust, and, and, exhausting fight for racial justice. Yeah, and, and these are things that I've heard you comment on before. And you're right now, there is this toll that's being taken because I know that these conversations are traumatic. Um, and to bring them back up again and to for, for people of color to be forced into these conversations that honestly I can't even imagine where it's like I've been talking about this my entire life and then as a white person I'm like oh but I want to talk about it now because it's in the news and then you're all of a sudden forced to have these conversations that are exhausting and here's maybe the piece I missed it was in my mind but it probably didn't come out of my mouth is that friends are coming back and bringing up these issues and almost wanting to prove to me that they aren't racist or that they don't hold racial bias. I saw a meme the other day, there's no such thing as not racist, there's only anti-racist. And I think about like my own internalized racism and how I how I felt about being Chinese when I was younger and how you know I wanted to reject it in every possible way just so I could fit in. And so you can be a person of color living with racial discrimination and still be racist. And so, yeah, I feel like these friends are sort of coming back and saying, um, you know, can I get a cookie? Because I'm I'm good. And you know I'm not giving those out. I mean, I don't feel like you should be, anybody should be giving them out. I mean, I think that it's something that we should be doing every day, white people. And this is something I should be doing more of every day. I mean, I make efforts to read up and pay more attention and, you know, speaking out, but I don't speak out enough. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm in real estate and in the last week I can think of three instances where people have made 
blatant racist comments to me about tenants, uh, the kind of tenants they want in, school districts, all of these things that I need to speak out against. And school districts is more latent racism, right? Like it's coded, codified language to say, oh, we don't, we're not where they're poor or not where they're black or not where they're brown or not where they're too Asian. And, you know, I know this is going to, you know, make people feel a lot of things just hearing me say this. Um, you can say, oh, no, it's about the outcomes, but why do those outcomes exist? Like why? Well, we know, for example, so in Canada, it's slightly different because we don't have a tax specific funding model in our school districts. So it's not like if you pay more taxes and the region has more money, your district gets more funding. That's not the way it works. I know in part many parts of the states, that is how it works. I don't think that's how it works all over the states. And I'm certainly not an expert in that. But yeah, that codified language. And I, I think you I know you've been talking about like learning how, how to respond to those things, how to say like, that's not cool, man, or how to say, you know, like all tenants, like if somebody says something about certain tenants smelling, like, you know, all tenants can be messy. All tenants can create smell. Like, it's not just one type of food. It's not just one type of tenant. Like, I remember you showing me pictures <laughs> of an apartment with three young white women, professionals oh with high paying jobs. Th that was the dirtiest place I've ever seen. I, I couldn't believe how they lived. It was like living in a dump. You couldn't open the door because the skis were blocking you from, like you had to squeeze through the door with your big butt. This is, I wish I had a mask that I could have worn then going in to that place. That was like 10 years ago. And th I mean, this it was disgusting. And it's not about young white women professionals being dirty. This is about the fact that no one will ever attach that stereotype to them. No, and I mean, other more blatant, obvious things, I mean, as a as a white guy, I mean, other white people take liberties in assuming that the racism that they that they have that that I have too. In making comments, I had somebody the other day say, "Well, you know, are there a lot of Muslim people that live in this neighborhood?" And I'm like, "Why? That that's racist. Like, why not? Let's let's just let's sit in that comment for a minute." Well, but and I heard you. I actually heard you on the phone. You said something. I live in this neighborhood. And like some of my neighbors are Muslim, some of them are Christian, but we don't actually ask them when they've purchased. Like, and I, I know that you can't always say, hey, dude, you're being Islamophobic. I, I know that maybe that doesn't roll off your tongue, but just making them uncomfortable, which you did, will maybe make yeah. them second guess themselves the next time they say that. And you, I, I'm sorry we went off on this tangent <laughs> in my dear diary. I'm feeling a lot better. <laughs> well, I'm glad you're feeling better. I'm feeling worse now that I think about all everything that's going on. Uh, but no, I mean, this this just kind of contributes and exacerbates probably that anxiety that I'm feeling. And I'm, and I'm assuming that you're feeling too. And I'm, I'm guessing that everyone is feeling well, right yeah, now. Well, yeah, I was actually talking to my therapist yesterday and... Um, she and I have a new therapist, which and I'm really liking her already. She's also Great. Caribbean, Great. Um, yeah, and she's Toronto based. And she said that you know these things that have haunted you and have weighed on you for years that you may not have had the language to articulate. Um, they are at the forefront of everyone's minds, and so there is more anger and there is more sadness. Like I feel sad. I, I woke. I I've been needing a cry. <laughs> And I think a lot of people are feeling that, you know, I met with someone yesterday who was talking about something and then all of a sudden just burst out crying um, because we're just, we're holding so much tension. Um, she's also a woman of color. 
Anyhow, um, you know, this isn't what we are talking about today. I guess I should thank everyone for listening as a therapist. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It feels good, though, to open up. It feels good to not just always be up, right? I've been giving a lot of speeches. And when, you know, when I give like these online virtual speeches and you're trying to get the, the... audience excited and you're being positive and you know you're never showing any of your own feelings except your enthusiasm for the topic and that in itself at the end of the day can be tiring um and so it feels good to just I don't know talk it out and it maybe it's a reminder too that you and I aren't like sitting down and talking as much as we could be I'm sure we will once the weather cools and I stop going outside (laughs) we got a warm day yesterday went for a nearly 30k uh KMs, 30 km as the Europeans say, uh, rollerblade. Uh, but today, I should bring it back. That's my job, right? It is, yes. Uh, we're going to be talking to a friend of mine who has been studying Tantra for years and has seen the ways in which Tantra has taught him to open up emotionally and relationally uh, and not just sexually because I think, you know, tantric, Tantra is oftentimes bastardized into this thing where it's like, oh, you can have sex forever like Sting. But he's going to come in, come on and talk to us about uh, his experience learning. Sting is coming on to talk no, about Sting is not. Um, he, he's too busy. He's, too, he's, ha- he's engaging he's having, in 40-hour in tantra. He's having a 40-hour sex session. Uh, before, before I welcome on, him on, I want to give a quick shout out to Femtasy. So Femtasy, like fantasy, but Femtasy, an online platform of erotic audio stories. So everything from the romantic and the sensual to kinky and risque, all in audio format. No video, no ads, no pop-ups. So if you're an audio person like me, this is right up your alley. Uh, You can try it for free for a week and you can use code JESS for a 20% discount off the annual membership if that works for you. So check them out, Femtasy. I'm, I'm already a fan. And so with all of that being said, let's welcome our guest, actor, entrepreneur, podcaster, student of personal development, and a friend, Emeka Menakaya. Welcome, Emeka. Thanks so much for being here to share your story. Hey, Jess. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. So you are a a longtime student of Tantra, and when we were chatting on your show, The Hustler's Corner podcast, not so long ago... You mentioned that Tantra is this important part of your life, so I'd love to get your story. What drew you to the practice in the first place? Sure, absolutely. Um, Well, you know what? uh, For me, Tantra was first introduced to me about uh, maybe three years ago. Uh, I was in a past relationship at the time, and initially I was a bit hesitant because I really didn't understand what Tantra was about. and uh, based on what I had heard just from side conversation, um, it was that Tantra was this, uh, you know, this big sex orgy thing um, where it's all about, you know, how long you can stay hard and, you know, just really ego driven as opposed to what Tantra truly is about. Um, but as I started to become more familiar with Tantra and its connection to spirituality, my interest and intrigue even grew more. As I realized that it was, you know, it was complementing my own personal development journey um, and growth in my spirituality, I began, I, 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 I started to become more drawn to it and understanding that Tantra, it's really more about, you know, like a deeper connection, you know, with the spirit, with your partner, with your body, and, um, and really about love, really. It's not just, it's not some... 
um, <laughs> some ego driven thing or physical thing where it's all about, you know, sex, 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 sex as, as, um, as maybe social media or, or ad, ad, ad companies, you know, portray sex to be or sex sells, as they say, everything, sex sells everything, but it's really more about, you know, a deeper connection, you know, with the spirit, with your partner and with your body as well. Well, then I have to ask, did you consider yourself spiritual prior to encountering Tantra? Were you raised with, with religion, with spirituality? I think you were raised in, in Nigeria. You lived in Nigeria, in the States, and now in Canada. Uh, what's, what's your background prior to approaching Tantra? Very good question. Yes, so I was raised, I was born and raised in Nigeria in a Christian home. And <laughs> like, like most, um, like most uh, cultures, um, sex wasn't really, you know, that conversation at the dinner table or really anywhere in the household, uh, to be honest. Um, my parents, we never had a conversation about sex in school. We were never taught sex at all. The only exposure to sex that I, that I had growing up, <laughs> like almost every other teenager was watching, you know, porn and stuff like that. But, um, like growing up in Nigeria, it just, and there was this shame or blasphemy, if I could say that, that was, uh, that surrounded sex. Like, you know, if, like for me, I grew up in a household of, uh, we're four boys and my mom was very, um, <laughs> she was very strict and, you know, very protective, which, you know, and looking back now, I, I appreciate her, uh, her, her disciplinary, uh, um, techniques i guess but she was very strict where we were not allowed to have female visitors in the house we we're not allowed to you know she was very strict about that because there was this fear i guess that you know i could get you know we could get somebody pregnant or somebody could get pregnant at a very young age and there's a lot of shame that comes with that where it's like you have you know you're not married and you're already you know you have a girl pregnant and you're almost seen as a castaway so um Sex, it was just, it just wasn't something that I was really exposed to or a conversation was had, you know, at home. But um, in my past relationship, uh, well, about three years ago, when I was introduced to it, it at first just kind of, because it was something new, I was a bit hesitant. But as I started to take the courses and really started to understand the connection with spirituality and the empowerment that it, it brings, um, it just started to make more and more sense to me. To me, Tantra is really like the real sex ed, so to hmm. speak. But In yeah. the absence of every other type of sex ed. So you talk about exactly. shame. Um, mm -hmm. Not only the shame around sex, but the shame around, I, I guess, the social piece. Like if you were to get someone pregnant, it would bring shame, <clears throat> shame to the family. And so those messages, I, I presume, get you know inter intertwined with your ideas about sex. So... How did you overcome sexual shame? Was was Tantra a part of that, or was that a journey you started, you know, a long time ago? I'd say Tantra was definitely a part of that. Um, I mean, growing up, you know, as a as a male, you know, as a guy growing up, you know, it's amongst your friends when sex comes up. It's about oh, you know, how many you know how many girls can you you know like did you sleep with her? Did you? It was really ego driven. So the shame didn't really um, come from that per se. But as I started to, you know, take the courses in Tantra and you start to become more vulnerable and because 
when you, well, with the instructors, it's all about what are you looking to, what are you looking to get out of this course? Like some people take Tantra for, for several reasons. Um, either they want to, you know, try to get rid of blockages, you know, blockages that they may have, you know, letting go of false narratives and judgments and shame around sexuality. Or if they're looking to just, you know, strike or have a deeper connection with their partner or how to convey their emotions, how to communicate more. So it all, it all depends on what, you know, an individual is looking to get out of Tantra. Um, but for me, surrounding shame, it was, um, as I started to take the course and I started to become more and more vulnerable, you know, certain triggers from my childhood surrounding sexuality would come up, you know, when you're told, you know, don't do this or don't do that. Or if I ever see a girl in this house, it's going to be this, it's going to be that. Um, and just really confronting those, um, those stereotypical, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Just, you know, stereotypes like that where, where sexuality was never talked about and it was almost blasphemous. Can I ask um, about the, sorry to interrupt, can I ask about the courses sure. that you took? The um, yeah. Because I think we, you know, have, not having had taken a, a Tantra course myself, like a formal course, what's mm-hmm. what does it entail exactly? Um, so, I, uh, so I've taken three different Tantra courses under three different instructors. Uh, my first experience was here in the GTA in Mississauga. It was a small group where the instructor she she was actually t- having um, hosting a male class. She was teaching a male a male class and a female class upstairs, downstairs in her in her uh, in her place, um, different age ranges. And you know, within within the male group, like you hear other guys talk about their experience with tantra, their vulnerabilities, and what they're looking to gain from the course. Um, Tantra really provides that safe space for what you are looking to achieve or gain from um, from Tantra. You know, whether it's a deeper connection with my partner, a deeper understanding with, of my sexuality, be more expressive, you know, towards my partner, my emotions, and um, like I said earlier, remove any blockages. Uh, the second experience that I had was um, was while I was in that past relationship in Thailand. It was with a couple who, who traveled the world and taught Tantra. And, um, you know, well, their course was more tailored towards couples. Because with Tantra, you can be single and take a Tantra course. You can be in a relationship and take a, and take a, contra, a Tantra course. You don't have to necessarily be in a relationship. You can be single and still take it. Um, so that course was, the one in Thailand, was there was a heavy focus on, like, different breathing techniques, uh, meditations, and, and affirmations with your partner as well as touch, um, but and I was I was I was exposed to different you know different concepts and terms that I'd never heard before. Uh, like example, what? For for example, like yoni. I'd never heard of yoni before. Yoni is another term for uh, for vagina, right? Uh, lingam. I never heard that before. Uh, that's another term for for the penis. Um, and different breathing techniques, like the like the Tibet Tantra system, where they have um, where they have like different pillars that that focus around meditation, movement, connection, and pleasure, um, as well as uh, other techniques. So, for example, like, there's a technique called the color breathing uh, meditation, which really helps slow down your breathing and helps you be present. 
Um, there's a different type of meditation called the fire meditation, where it has to do with breathing, holding your breath, contracting and releasing, and also pulsing and and like a lot of pelvic movements. Um, there's another one called the kiss meditation, where you're sitting directly in front of your partner and you have your right hand on your partner's heart, so to speak, and you're breathing in almost at the same time, slowly being present, looking at your partner, you know, eye to eye, uh, really being vulnerable. And for, for someone who, you know, who, well, not for myself, but for folks who may have never done stuff like that before or have a problem looking at somebody in the eye, just really allowing yourself to be vulnerable. It can be, it can be a bit weird, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, so to speak, but it's, it's truly, truly amazing. Um, and then my third experience was was an online course that I took with um, the late uh, Sam Isadora. Uh, I took that. I took her course on Mind Valley, and you know, her course just had a lot to do with like. So there were like eight different modules, um, modules for couples, for singles. They have to, for example, like uh, like the, the seven levels of intimacy, which are tied to like the our seven chakra systems. Um, there's a module on sacred sexuality where it really goes into a deeper um, uh, deeper description on sacred sexuality. Uh, for example, soul sex, where, you know, you're really being present and really using your five senses to magnify the experience with your partner. Did you uh, find, sorry, did you find that initially the 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 difference to your sex life was noticeable like after one or your intro course did it immediately change your sex life i felt like for me it did in a sense that um well let me step back for a second because once i started to get some of the concepts and understanding of of of, of tantric sex I realized, I realized that I had actually experienced something like that before um, in a past relationship because it's really more about a deep connection with your partner um, as opposed to just something physical and not much of a connection. But having gained the knowledge after taking the first course, I noticed that my, my sexual experience was even more, even more pleasurable. It was even more it was stronger with my partner. Like it wasn't anything physical. It wasn't just, it wasn't anything physical. It was just pure, pure love, pure bliss. Um, yeah, I definitely noticed a, a huge difference with them. Uh, we know that in the West, Tantra gets kind of reduced to sex itself, to something, as you said, more ego-driven, more goal-oriented. I, th- I think mm-hmm. about Sting talking about, I don't know, he could last however many hours, I can't even remember, um, you know, or having bigger orgasms. But mm-hmm. what I'm curious about is how the study of Tantra has actually changed the way you move through the world and the way you relate to others as well. Good, uh, good question. Because... Um... Even with, so like with, with my third uh, course that I took online on Tantra with the uh, late Samus Adora, one of the, uh, one of the modules talks about sex beyond the bedroom, Tantra beyond the bedroom, where you actually take that into the world and you're having this Tantric experience everywhere you go. And that really has a lot to do with being present and mastering your energy, um, you know, with 
tied to the seven chakra systems as well, but really mastering your energy, being present. Um, whenever you walk into a room, someone, you know, they can feel your energy, feel your presence. Um, it's, it's all tied to, you know, I hate to, I, I hate to sound redundant, but it, it's all tied to really being present in the moment and, um, and just letting yourself be and letting that connection, you know, free flow with, with everyone around you. Cause well, cause we're all spiritual beings, right? Um, <laughs> we're all spiritual beings. So you can, you can feel the energy, you know, within the room or with someone, if you meet someone for the first time, there's this energy you can feel, you know, depending if it's reciprocated, but having been exposed to Tantra, it allowed me to take that into the world where I'm, hundred percent present in whatever I'm doing, wherever I am. You know, you, you say you don't want to sound redundant with being present or mindful, but that uh -huh. is, I don't want to say that's everything, but that's what lets us be and move through life. And we live in a world where we really do move through mindlessly, right? We're, we're thinking about the next thing. We're watching a show, but we're also on our phone. We're having a conversation, but we're thinking about what comes next. Yes. And it seems to me that practices like Tantra, uh, and there are many different approaches to this, allow you to kind of be in your body, as you said, focus in on the five senses, um, be with yourself or be with another person, uh, and do it without judgment, right? Mm -hmm. I, I imagine that's a big part of it. And, and you talk about vulnerability, and I'm curious about how any of your instructors, whoever did it most effectively, encouraged you to be vulnerable because it's easy to say hey be vulnerable or express your vulnerable feelings but how do we actually how do we actually facilitate that process effectively i'm thinking about for example the men's group that you attended how do you get people right. to open up when we live in a world that tells men or people who you know in particular men that you yeah. don't you don't say that you're feeling scared you don't feel that you're saying you don't say that you're feeling apprehensive yeah no um <laughs> you're absolutely right because Again, just going back to the way um, I was raised, you know, in a culture where you're not supposed to express your emotions or your feelings. You're not supposed to be seen as, well, if, if you do express your emotions or your feelings, you're seen as weak, um, <laughs> which is completely ridiculous because that's, you know, there's a lot of masks with masculinity. I mean, men or you know men are human beings we can't be we can't be this strong figure 100 percent of the time like we're human beings we feel things where we should be able to express ourselves and how we feel especially towards your partner so within um in my in my first tantra course where it was you know she had the different groups she had the male and the female groups within the male groups just hearing the other guys speak because there were guys you know from different uh, ages and different backgrounds. There was a guy who was like 60 or 70 and he was talking about his experience with Tantra. He had been, he had been taking Tantra for X amount of years. And um, and the other guys, some folks were new to it as well. But just hearing other men speak about this kind of allowed me to sort of just be grounded and to ground myself and just allow myself to you know, to express my feelings and how, how I feel about certain situations, how I feel about, you know, any type of blockages that, you know, that men go through, whether it's ED or anything like that. Um, traumas from the past, you know, you know, sexual traumas from the past. There was a, there was a gentleman who was explaining 
or telling his story where he had, um, you know, he had sex, he had been sexually abused at a young age and it put, you know, a dent in his, uh, in his perception of sex or his interest in sex. So even hearing a guy talk about that, it's not something that most men, you know, at a table sharing beers, just talk about, you know, that's something that we try to, you know, we keep within, it could be seen as shameful, you know, or, and we're self-judging ourselves. So for me, and also at the time, like before that, I hadn't always been, <laughs> I never really always expressed myself emotionally. And it, it's something that I, I, I continue to practice to, 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 you know, to practice doing, to be able to just express yourself how you feel. Um, if you love someone, have, have, have the, you know, have the will, have the strength to express yourself and tell the person that or how you feel about the person. But growing up, just because I was never exposed to that, I know I carried that into my adulthood. But with Tantra, it's, it's helping me, to, you know, chip that away slowly. I love that. And I, I hope that it's also helping you to express those feelings beyond intimate relationships. Because one thing that, you know, mm-hmm. we observe is that in the heterosexual context, men will talk to, you know, a female partner about how they're feeling and, and they'll be maybe vulnerable with that one person. But then the onus of emotional receipt and emotional energy falls on that one person. And so I love the idea of, you know, a group of men or a group of anybody, but particularly men, I think, are stymied in in the capacity or in the permission to talk about their feelings. The, the idea of being able to sit with your friends and talk about how you're feeling, to tell a friend how much you care about them, to let them know um, that the relationship matters. And it, it doesn't have to be in one specific way. Like, it doesn't have to be in the kind of Western clinical, you know, I really appreciate this relationship. There's lots of ways to show appreciation. Um, and so do you find you are more open to having those conversations with your friends as well? Honestly, I, I am. I do. I, I even try to encourage, you know, some of my friends who have not been exposed to Tantra or anything like, well, not even, not even with Tantra, just having those conversations. You don't necessarily need to be exposed to Tantra to be able to express yourself or how you feel, or even to tell another guy, another male friend, yo, man, I love you. Thank you so much for being there for me. You know, I just want to let you know that I love you. You know, life is short. You know, I'm giving I'm giving you your flowers right now, so you have them. Um, absolutely, I have these conversations with my friends these days, and just try to get them to, you know, lower your guard. Man, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> no one is coming to get you. It's okay. How did your friends initially respond when you opened up that way for the first time? Because I think a lot of, I mean, I'm not going to speak about a lot of men, but I think my own experience is that when I first started having those conversations with the very select few friends that I felt I could, it really changed the way that I, just the way that I felt in general. So how did you have that? How did you kind of jump into that with your friends? Like, how did you open up like that? Um, (laughs) I think, so there was a conversation. It, it all started with a relationship that uh, that had ended, um, and it ended in a way that I was really, really feeling hurt about the situation. And just trying to talk to some of my friends about it, and they didn't really understand, you know, why, you know, why am I feeling this low or hanging on to this feeling for so long, and 
just trying to have that conversation with them, explain to them that, look, man, you feel the way you feel. You also have felt this way before. You may mm-hmm. not have had the strength to speak up or talk about it, but that's why I'm having this conversation right now. As brothers, as men, listen, if you're ever feeling down, if you're ever feeling low and you need to talk, I'm here for you. So I'm, I'm, I'm just extending this hand to you guys, just knowing that, just so you know that I'm here for you. If you're ever in a situation like this, you know, we can talk about it. I'm letting you guys know my situation, what I was going through or what at the time, what I was going through. And um, I'm here for you. Let's talk about this because outside of even sex, outside of sexuality, whether it's dealing with, you know, depression or mental illness, any just anything really where there's a stigma around, you know, showing, you know, there's a stigma around it being seen as weak if we talk about it. Um, just trying to encourage those conversations with my friends. And slowly they, they actually became more and more receptive and appreciative of that because sometimes it takes one person to speak up and then for everyone else to be like, you know, thank you for doing that. Yeah, that, that expression of vulnerability from one person can be so disarming, especially when sociocultural norms are saying, hey, you can't do this. When somebody does it, it gives everyone else permission. And I think back to an event that, and I may have spoken about this before for, for folks listening, uh, in Jamaica many, many years ago, I ended up with too many people in my group. And I ended up splitting the groups. And Brendan ended up um, being with this group of guys. And the topic was jealousy. And, you know, I would say this was a fairly performative group. It was a group of people, what we call in the lifestyle. So I know some people don't use this language anymore, but like basically swingers, um, primarily American, um, all in male-female relationships. Um, I would say most of the guys would identify as straight. And when Brandon started talking about, you know, his first experiences with jealousy, all of a sudden, the guys who were silent started speaking up because it was like, oh, this this guy who seems fairly alpha, seems to be in this happy relationship. His wife is clearly, you know, um, a, a leader because I was leading the group. He's comfortable saying, hey, yeah, I've struggled with this. And then they and I remember them. I remember sitting at breakfast the next morning and guys coming up, up and being like, oh, Jess, you know, you're great, Dr. Jess. But that Brandon, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Brandon really helped us to open up. And it's just the sharing of your your truth. And you talked about something um, with regard to kind of letting judgment go. The relinquishment of judgment allows you to be present, be in the moment and say what you're feeling as opposed to worrying about like how is someone else going to react to what I have to say and and maybe with the understanding that their reaction is their own like I, I don't have to worry about judgment because it's actually not about me right, right. I, re- I remember that I, I do remember that presentation and you said a few words that resonate it was being vulnerable and I was the first person to obviously start sharing my insecurities and I was surprised that other people realized that I was insecure about certain things. And I was just like, listen, this is just my experience. You can judge me if you want to judge me. No one did. Um, I was vulnerable. I was real. And it, like you said, as soon as I opened up, everybody else opened up. And it created this really nice environment where we started sharing experiences and that everything changed with like two lines, right? And as soon as we started down that path. It was, it was a real, um, 
a weight off my shoulders that I didn't even know right. that I had, <laughs> which I thought was really interesting. I was like, this is just my experience and how I feel. And then when I said it, I was like, wow, I feel really good after having had said that, even though I didn't know I needed to. And then everybody else started doing this same thing. And then, you know, 45 minutes later, uh, the conversation kind of wound to a close and everyone was like, yeah, that was a lot deeper than I think we thought it was going to be. Yeah. It was great. To, to give some context, we were at hedonism. So people are there for, you know, uh, a good time, <laughs> not necessarily, <Yeah>. right. <laughs> I think, you know, emotional vulnerability. But it's interesting you say it that way, Brendan, about a, a weight being lifted. And I, I can't imagine how hard it is to go through life 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years, never getting to say, hey, I'm sad, or I feel weak, or I feel scared, or I feel intimidated, or I feel unworthy, or I feel lonely. And that's not an experience that's unique to men. But I do think that men are assigned a role, a singular role of strength. And actually, that's one of my criticisms of of the language of Tantra, at least the way it's used in the West with masculine and feminine energy. Um, I've seen a shift in some of the decolonizing Tantra conversations to focus on the specific qualities we're talking about, uh, whether that's strength and assertion or softness and vulnerability, and not have a need to assign a binary of gender to, you know, if this, if you're feeling strong, it's tapping into your male energy. If you're feeling weak or vulnerable, it's tapping into your female. Why can't we just call them what they are as opposed to dividing it in two, which is exactly what we're trying to undo, yet we're reinforcing it with this language. And I just, I love, Mecca, where you've taken this conversation, um, that it's really not just about sex. And of course, sex is better if you're able to be vulnerable, but that's only one of the corollary benefits. So I have to ask you, before I let you go, if you have any insights for folks who have trouble being vulnerable or have trouble opening these conversations, and I count myself in there because I'm really good at opening up with some people and with other people in my life who I, who I really do love, I, I put up walls. So like, I, I mean, I know the abstract of let go of judgment and be in the moment, but what can I do? What can we do in a concrete way to to cultivate this intimacy and connection and presence by by being more vulnerable like what language what I don't know what physical act did you learn or you know have you picked up along the way um well you know first of all I'll just say to Brendan kudos to you for speaking up at that uh, <laughs> uh at that retreat and you know because I think that was just powerful first of all so kudos to you for doing that Thank you. Um, but to, <laughs> Thank you. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. absolutely. Um, but to answer your question, Jess, I think, you know, for a lot of, you know, for people, for folks that are listening right now, men, women, um, and I'll just speak to the men specifically here, there is strength in vulnerability. The notion that if you, you know, allow yourself to, to be seen for who you are is, you know, is a sign of weakness is is a very false narrative it's really all about self-love um you know owning yourself owning who you are you know you you are <laughs> you're imperfectly perfect there's no such thing as uh as perfection you know so the narrative about trying to be or being strong all the time or holding things in or being hard and rigid it's 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 not a happy life truly you know you're not happy like i I, I I read Brene Brown's book, uh, The Power of Vulnerability, and that really helped expose 
uh, more ex, you know, at, that really exposed me to just being, um, to finding the strength and being vulnerable, loving myself in my entirety, you know, and letting go of self-judgments and in doing so the judgment of others. Because if I look at somebody and I'm judging that person, I'm really judging myself. It's really a reflection of how I think or how I feel about myself or my insecurities. Um, so I think it starts with self-love and allowing yourself to slowly, it's definitely not going to happen overnight. It's a practice, life, lifelong practice, but allowing yourself to be vulnerable and knowing that there is strength and vulnerability. Nobody can take that away from me. I love that. And I appreciate the, you know, focus on not having to be perfect because you, you're, you know, you're talking about this mindset right now. And I know you spend a lot of time on the Hustlers Corner talking about mindset and overcoming fears and facing fears and hardship. Um, but also, you know, you have your days where you are going to be self-judging and where you're going to catch yourself yeah. judging. I mean, I, I notice I have what I call right now the, the covitude, where I'm just like a <laughs> <What>? little. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you've got some too, babe. <laughs> yeah, I definitely have some. Um, where and, and then I have these moments of lucidity where I feel a lot of love for everyone. And I, I actually physically... I visualize moving from my heart, like moving toward people from my chest, like I'm touching it now and feeling it now. And it's just that, that for me, for some people, like we all have different grounding techniques, whether it's taking some deep breaths or using some of the breathing techniques you talked about or meditation breathing. Me, I, I, I just visualize kind of when I'm really mad at someone, like let's say there's someone in my family really pissing me off. And then, you know, you go into a hole where everything they do pisses you off and you're angry. And I, I think about how short life is and how, you know, what family means to me and how they're going to be in my life forever for as long as I'm here, which is hopefully a long time. And I literally, I keep saying literally, but I visualize my heart moving toward them. And maybe when I put it in words, it sounds really weird to other people. But for me, I think about um, like, do I love that person? Do I want to move with love or do I want to move with anger? And it doesn't mean that I, I don't still feel angry at times. But I, I had a, a little, uh, I guess, moment of enlightenment a week ago on a hike because uh, I think I was holding on to some anger for a couple of people in our families. And I just, I don't know why, it just kind of dissipated. And um, it came from being vulnerable. It came from saying, okay, I can be angry about what I perceive as their actions or I can think about what I'm really feeling here, right? Which is truthfully right now, I'm feeling frustrated over the situation that we're living in. I'm feeling scared. I'm feeling uncertain. Um, I'm, I'm feeling conflicted. And I've mentioned this before on the podcast that I, you know, I know that I have a good life and that I'm grateful. And this is just an inconvenience to me. Whereas for other people, this is life and death. So I feel conflicted by being, you know, having that secondary emotion of like, oh, I shouldn't actually be so upset because life is good. And so, yeah, I just really appreciate that you've opened up um, conversations for yourself, for your friends, for me, right? I'm, I'm spewing now <laughs> to, to express ourselves because um, I know I hold a lot of feelings in. Um, and as Brandon said, it's, it's a weight that we walk around yeah. with. I, I love oh. the idea of just, just saying, just starting, like be the one, for me, it was be the one to be vulnerable with your friends. Put yourself out there say something like, I'm not feeling good. I, I am feeling good. I, I love you. Like you're my friend and, and I want you to know that life is short and, and I do, I love you kind of out of the blue. Yep. And to somebody yep. who hasn't heard that from you before, 
can be really, um, can be a, an amazing experience. So, I mean, for me, that's what I, I you know, something I, I took out of what you said here is just that vulnerability element that I've always believed in. And then it's just taking that leap and making that statement. Yeah. Um, thank you so, so much, Emeka. I really appreciate your insights. Thanks for your time today. Folks can find you on your Hustler's Corner podcast. I believe you also just recently uh, put out a book. Can you tell us a little bit about that and where they can find it? Oh, yeah, sure. Absolutely. Um, so I recently put out a book. It's titled The Hustler's Mindset, um, a guide to help cultivate your mind and personal beliefs to achieve your goals and dreams. It's available on Amazon right now. And um, what I did was just uh, partner up with Big Brothers Big Sisters where I'm donating you know, the proceeds from the sales of the book to their youth development program. It's uh, it's a book for anyone who has, um, you know, who has ever faced adversity or going through a rough patch and you just need some quick tips to help, you know, motivate you to keep you going. It's a book that's also dedicated to the youth, um, to, to the youth of today who feel, you know, insecure or feel like they're not good enough or worthy. And it's just, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a tool that's, that I, I created just to help empower um, empower people and and do the, and, and the world as well. So, yeah. I love it. The hustler's mindset. Um, and uh, I'll put the link in the show notes. I'm going to buy that right now. Thank Happy you. to hear you're supporting Big Brothers Big Sisters. Thank you again for your time today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. And thank you to you for joining us. I hope you have someone in your life to whom you can express love in actions or in physical affection or with quality time or uh, gifts or... And of course, in words, you know, even if they aren't ready to express love in the same way, your authentic expression, I think, will ultimately just enrich the relationship. So, babe, I love you. I love you, too. And I appreciate you. And I appreciate y'all. So wherever you're at, I hope you're feeling loved today and every single day. You're listening to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. Improve your sex life. Improve your life.